Welcome tonight. Good to have you here. Uh, we have a small group, but we still come for the same purpose, and that is to, to pray, uh, be encouraged in the middle of the week, and to take a look at God's Word. Turn with me to Psalm 64 we'll look at tonight. Psalm 64. All right, let's read through that together, all right? It's just 10 verses, so let's read through that together. <clears throat> Hear my voice, O God, in my complaint. Preserve my life from dread of the enemy. Hide me from the secret plots of the wicked, from the throng of evildoers who wet their tongues like swords, who aim bitter words like arrows, shooting from ambush at the blameless, shooting at him suddenly and without fear. They hold fast to their evil purpose. They talk of laying snares secretly, thinking, who can see them? They search out injustice, saying, we have accomplished a diligent search, for the inward mind and heart of a man are deep. But God shoots his arrow at them. They are wounded suddenly. They are brought to ruin with their own tongues turned against them. All who see them will wag their heads. Then all mankind fears. They tell what God has brought about and ponder what he has done. Let the righteous one rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in him. Let all the upright in heart exult. All right. Um, I've entitled this a prayer against the bully. Prayer against the bully. You ever had a bully in your life? Um, you may have one now. Uh, just, just because we are adults don't mean that we don't have a bully. Bully would be someone who is aggressive against you uh, for no good reason and has power um, or, or at least threatens power against you. <coughs> Um, and, and so, uh, in, 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 in my margin is written, hide me from the wicked. And that, that's, that's kind of how we feel about the bully. I couldn't help with the events of today reading this psalm. I couldn't help but think about our political atmosphere and with uh, President uh, Trump giving uh, the State of the Union address yesterday, uh, last night, and the reaction to it. I couldn't help thinking what if I was in his position and had the kind of attacks that he had upon him uh, with impeachment and, and the response to the, uh, the State of the Union address and so forth and just throughout his, his, his uh, run, uh, throughout his presidency. Um, but um, really that's just a small um, attack because uh, one who wrote many of the Psalms, David, had, he was, he was king, he was head of, 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 of the nation, and he had attacks from inward, um, and not just attacks for his rule, attacks against his rule, but attacks against his whole, his own, his, his, his life. Um, and some by his very own family, his own son who wanted to kill him. And so he had many enemies. Um, but the point here is in this psalm is that we can cry out to God um, when we have these ones who come against us. So I've also entitled, subtitled this, help, just help. 
help with the H-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-L-P, okay? So it's, it's a yell, it's a scream for help. And uh, if you've ever been in that position, uh, wow, you just, your, your cry goes out for help, and this help cry goes out to the Lord. Notice he says, hear my voice, O God. And so it's a prayer. We've come tonight to pray, and we want God to listen, to hear us. It is a comfort to know that no matter where we are physically and what our, our position is, if we're under attack or we're just, in, just sleeping comfortably on our bed, we can call upon God at any time. And he is one who hears. So the psalmist is saying, please hear me, please hear me. And, and, and he knows that God hears. Hear my complaint. He also says, preserve my life. Hide me, verse 2, hide me from the secret plots. And so he's crying out to God to help in his situation. We're comforted to know that the psalmist can cry out to God. And so he, he, he says, hey, if you get in a position like I'm in, you can cry out to God. And that's a good thing to know. Look at the viciousness of the attacks. I want to start in verse 2. He says, secret plots. I've, I've had secret plots against me. I don't know if you ever have experienced something like that. It's people who smile in your face, but behind the scene, they, they try to sabotage what you do or other people against you. And the psalmist felt that. He said, Lord, they, they got secret plots against me. They got an agenda, but they're not bold enough to come to me right in my face. They do it behind my back where I can't stop it. If they were in, fr in front of me, I could face them, you know. But he's saying they're behind my back, and, and, and so I need you to go where I can't go. And God, so he can bring that to God. He says the throng of evildoers at the end of verse 2. What is a throng? <laughs> what, what comes to mind when you hear that word, the throng of e e evildoers? <laughs> okay, what else? A gang of them, right? It's, it's, it's just a whole bunch of them, right? It's, it, it's, it's more than you can count. So it's, he's outnumbered. And they're wicked people. They're evildoers. Um, verse 3, it kind of, I had to look this word up, who wet their tongues. It said wet, wet tongues, but then it gives you the, cue, the clue to it. Wet their tongues like swords. Wet means to sharpen. You can, you can uh, picture um, you would take uh, your, your metal sword against some kind of a, um, abrasive surface. It, it could be a stone, it could be something metal, like a file or something, and, shoop, and the more you go across it, shoop, the sharper it gets. We still sharpen things that way today. Sometimes we use leather for that. Um, but notice what they're wetting, what they're sharpening is their tongues. Their tongues like swords. We still have that today. We got Twitter, we got Facebook, we got all these things, and people still use it for evil. And it's like once something gets out there, it, you know, you can say I'm sorry, but it's out there now. It's been said. It can't be unsaid. Um, so they wet their tongues like swords. They're using words as, um, as an attack. 
They aim bitter words like arrows. Bitter words is talking about, and they aim them like arrows. And so this is, this is how the enemy is attacking us. And notice, I like that he, he puts it in his way because he's not just talking about the fights he has as a soldier, but the kind of things that we would encounter today. People who say things against you or about you, um, that, you know, I grew up with that, that saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. And in reality, words do hurt. Words do hurt, and people use them. They can do a lot of damage. James talks about uh, the tongue and how much, how much harm it can do. And so here's... Um, He's just saying, Lord, there's people who, who are using words against me, and they are hurtful words. They're bitter words. Uh, the viciousness of their attack is shown in the next verse, too. Um, notice what it says, shooting from ambush at the blameless. What does ambush tell us? Uh-huh. Ambush is when you hide, and a person doesn't know you're coming, and you, boom, you jump out and you tackle uh, so you might be hiding behind a bush. You might be hiding behind something else. But you, it's a surprise attack. Um, so you're not always prepared for it. Um, and so uh, this is it's coming. And it says, at the blameless. So it's a person that's, that doesn't deserve this kind of attack, but um, can, can be hurt by it. We, we can be like that. Sometimes that happens on our jobs. Sometimes it happens... Um, in any kind of relationship with our families, it can happen. It can happen uh, anytime something goes sour, somebody doesn't like us. You know, you can have a business and you have one customer who just just hates you for something that's not even your fault and he gets on the internet and just spews out about you. And you, you, know, you can't take that back. I, I heard on the radio, I heard on a commercial there, certain companies that go in and they try to clean up any kind of bad um, <laughs> press you might get on the internet and they try to search out and, and try to clean, keep, keep that clean but it, it's pretty damaging if it, if it ever happens um, to you and uh, <clears throat> I know personally I've, I've experienced um, that kind of hurtfulness it's hard to be a leader especially as a Christian leader without some of that stuff coming at you people just didn't like what you stand for like what you did uh, I remember having a counseling session with a couple and this the guy that uh, had the couple, the man and the couple had a brother who wasn't even a part of our church at all. But because I hold, held both individuals accountable for their own actions, the brother hated me. <laughs> I remember being in a court, in a, in, 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 in a courthouse. I had to go for some kind of hearing or something. I don't know what it was, but um, I happened to see him. I was going to, to the elevator, and he was on the elevator. And I could tell from the look on his face, he was like, I just hate you. you know? I'm like, dude, get over it, because I'm getting on the elevator. <laughs> so I got on it and went on. But I, I was surprised at how long that hatred had lasted. I hadn't seen this guy in several months and didn't know much of him at all. But again, just because of what I represented, his brother didn't hate me, but he hated me. Um, and so, you know, we encounter some of that just, just in our lives that, that people um, spew this out. And here's the ambush attack. Uh, um, suddenly it says, and without fear. Notice verse 5. They hold fast to their evil purpose. 
We're talking in Job that we should persevere in our trials. Well, these persevere in wrongdoing. <laughs> they don't forget a grudge. They carry it on for, 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 for days and days and days. And, and, and that's a mark. Uh, that's their mark. <clears throat> they talk of laying snares secretly. The same thing um, that we talked about before. And so this, this goes on and on. And sometimes we, we would wonder... What is my defense against something like this? You know, if you've ever had that kind of thing, you know you cannot go back and correct every lie that's been told about you or every, every smear that's been made. You don't even know who it's been made to. It's kind of like how we respond on the Internet, right? If somebody says something on the Internet, you, you can try to respond, but you don't know that you're reaching the whole audience that got the original smear. Um, I was I was watching uh, we, we we were watching a movie uh, just last week and uh, it was about the um, well it was about a man who did not actually commit a crime but he was accused of that and the paper had put his name out this is a true story actually the paper had put his name out and and all this is far reaching when you get that kind of media and publicity but when they found out he didn't do it it was just silent like chirping. Nobody goes back and corrects the record. Or even if they do, it's not with the same type of, of uh, 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 attention that the original lie uh, uh, or misinformation went out with. And so we can experience this and we can ask, well, how do I defend myself against this? Here's what we do. We see this happening in verse 6 and then notice the change from verse 6 to 7. But God is in verse 7. But God. So God does come to defense of his people. And he is the only one that can really come through. And it doesn't say how he does it, but in his own way, he can and does care for his people and protect his people. It says, God shoots his arrow at them. Now notice, look at verse 3. They wet their tongues like swords. They aim bitter words like arrows. Notice the plurals in those. Tongues, swords, words, arrows, right? So it's coming like from all different directions. But look at the singular um, in verse 7. God shoots his arrow. <laughs> it's like God just got to go, one. One shot is all I need. <laughs> I don't need an uh, automatic machine going, hoping I'll make a hit with one of those bullets. God said, boom. All I got to do is say the word. All I got to do is say the word. God shoots his arrow at them, and they are wounded suddenly. So um, God shoots. They are wounded. They're brought to ruin, verse 8. They're brought to ruin with their own tongues turned against them. God has a, a unique way. It's fun to see it when it happens, that, that he can turn the evil against the person who's done it. Now, obviously, this, is, this isn't the case all the time. We don't always see it work out this way, but this is to let us know that God can, and he has our back. The point is, in this life, we don't always see and we do suffer from, from wicked attacks. But God is going to, to vindicate his people and, 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 and make up for all of those attacks that have been laid and been hurled against them. So here's, here's kind of the case for 
how God is going to do that. He shoots, they're wounded, they're brought to ruin. And look at what happens in verse 9. <coughs> then all mankind fears. When God begins to act, when God begins to bring about his justice, his judgment comes, people start to pay attention because something great has happened. <clears throat> So they fear, and guess what comes out of this? They tell what God has brought about. They begin to proclaim, begin to broadcast what God is doing, the amazing thing that he has done. And so the lesson here is, yes, we, we ought to pray. We ought to wait on the Lord and let him take action um, in our cause. It's for, for one good reason is we can't do it. We cannot get revenge on all of that. We cannot um, unscramble the egg that has, that has been broken. Uh, we can't fix all the, make good all the harm that's come to us. But God is going to take up the cause. And we need to, to let him, allow him, and wait on him to do that. And he begins to do it. And as he does it in his way, he begins to get the glory. He begins to get the praise. Um, People begin to be at all at him for what he has done. Not, you know, look how you did it and got back at, at that person, but how God has done it. It's that they tell what God has brought about and ponder what he has done. And then we can rejoice. Verse 10, let the righteous one rejoice in the Lord Let and take refuge in him. Let all the upright in heart exult. So the psalmist, in the midst of his problems, in the midst of his turmoil, has turned to God and is simply going to wait on God to resolve. Wait means rely on God, to trust God, to rest in God, to resolve his issue, resolve his problem. And, and that really is the uh, instruction for us and the attitude that we are to have. Good evening, saints. For our time of meditation, we're going to be again in the Sermon on the Mount. One of the keys to understanding the Sermon on the Mount and to understanding Scripture in general is to understand the structure how what's said is said. Jesus speaks in a certain way that's very organized. And scripture is very organized. One of the keys of scripture is, is that God designed it so that we might understand his word and his truth. And so if you look at the structure of a passage, it will give you clues to understanding the meaning of it. That's what we really mean by we, when we say we take a scripture out of context. What we mean is that somebody took a scripture out of its structure and tried to apply it without any understanding of what the author actually meant. And you can do that if you just take a phrase, take a verse, and just pull it out and rip it out of a structure. It doesn't have meaning. Well, the same with Jesus' words. Even more so, I would say, with Jesus' words because Jesus knows what he's going to say before he says it. Sometimes when I speak, I don't always know what I'm going to say until I say it, right? 
so we can make mistakes, but Jesus doesn't make mistakes. So his structure is important. And when he spoke the last time we covered in verse 17, he says, do not think I have come to abolish the law of prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And that verse is the key to understanding the next section because for the next section, all he's going he's gonna to start every part with, you have heard it said. And every time he refers to you have heard it said, he's talking about scripture. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to get the hearer to understand the scripture past just what the letters say and get to what God intends. So when he speaks on murder, he turns to a verse that people, okay, I don't murder. But he's speaking about more than murder. He says, you have heard it said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser, while you are going with him to court. Lest your accuser hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. What is he saying? Well, he's saying this. Oftentimes when we read scriptures, we will think about how it applies to the most vile person and try to excuse ourselves, don't we? That's just a natural education. But the temptation that I've seen some Christian preachers do is they say, Jesus is going beyond the law and he's teaching us something new. I don't think he is teaching us something new. He's teaching us something that has always been. And he's trying to teach a true understanding of the law so that we might understand that it's more than just obeying one precept. Before that, in verse 20, it says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And I know that had to be a shock because nobody obeyed the law better than the laws than the Pharisees. So then what did he have to mean? Well, he had to mean that obeying just the precepts, the thou shalt not and thou shalt is not enough. You must understand the intention of God and please him. And so he says when he talks about murder, he then speaks to anger. He then speaks to anger. And then he goes from there and he talks about when you're offering your gift at the altar. Now the Pharisee would not say this because they were stuck on, I'm not murdering, so there's no problem. But Jesus is saying the intention of the heart matter because God sees that too. And if we don't somehow deal with the problems of the heart, how can we please God? And I think that's one of the biggest issues that we have at church, right? Everybody wants to dress up and come on Sunday morning, 
but it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday that really describe what kind of saint we're going to be. And so that's the kind of scripture that Jesus is talking about. As we read the scripture, we want to bring that into our mind. How do we apply this? How do we put this into practice? What does the Bible really mean? You're reading through Leviticus. Is it just a law book? Or is there something more to it? Well, I will say that Jesus is saying there's more to it than just laws. It speaks to character. So we'll speak more on this next week when we get into lust. All righty. There's like way more cars in the park than other people here. I'm going to say that right now. I was like, ooh, busy. Well, you almost see next door. Um, them kids know how to drive now. Um, today, let's focus on just um, prayer for just the growth of our church in numbers. Um, I know we've been praying a lot for our ministries, but let's focus really on praying for growth and increasing our numbers. I know we do a lot with ministry to our city and with our mission of reaching men. Um, but let's just have, we have a few numbers. We'll, we'll do like I've done in the past. And just um, if you feel led to pray, we'll pray. And then um, if no one prays for a given amount of time. We just lift up this church and the uh, many ministries we do. Um, we just ask that you bless these ministries, that you allow us to use them to reach out to the people in our city, to um, change hearts for you, Lord. And, um, be used as your mouthpiece. Mighty increase in the numbers next door with Truth Seekers is a lot of kids have been coming in here, Lord, and that's a way for us to reach the, the men of those families. And we just ask for those opportunities to reach them and to uh, minister to them and um, show them how they need um, a life with you. I ask that you just be with each and one of us. We come in contact on a familial level with all our family members who are unsaved, Lord, that we have an opportunity to spread the gospel to them, Lord, and that um, if it be your will that you change their hearts and bring them into our numbers, Lord, or the people that we come across in our daily lives with our co-workers or just happenstance uh, meetings out on the streets, Lord, we ask that you allow us to just be a minister for you to that, for you through those, Lord, and that we can just continue to just spread your word and um, that we can fill these seats, Lord, and just um, continue to reach people that um, we can do your work and that um, we can pull those people away from condemnation and um, a life that would end in um, suffering and pain and hell, Lord. We just ask, you just use us, Lord, and you just grow this ministry and you continue to bless it. In your name we pray. Amen. So Lawrence is in here, so I will do prayer requests tonight. Um,